tonight is going to be an extension really from this morning. Uh, this morning's message was concerning hope. And uh, he's going to continue with that tonight. Those of you that are very familiar with the face-to-face documents probably picked up on some things from this morning that he was putting us in remembrance of that he wants us to incorporate now regarding uh, the next phase of, can I say, believing in the revival, being transformed to revival, however you want to word it. So the title tonight, unless we've already used this one, is just Living Hope. We're going to talk about Living Hope. To start off, let me let me start off like this. See, faith it, this morning, Hebrews eleven one. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And like this morning's message, there are times in life when faith is really all you've got. You don't. <laughs> the Hebrews were going through terrible persecution, yet they believe that God is and that He is a rewarder. But at the moment, it sure doesn't look like it. Well, in situations like that, what do you have? You have faith. You have faith. That's Faith is your substance during that time. Now, once the deliverance comes, you don't need that faith anymore because now you've got it. So we could use that in many applications, but for I, we know what he's after with us, and that's revival. And us coming into a stage of believing, real believing, so that he can manifest his will. So let me start off with a few things. Now, remember, real science and the Bible always agree. Because God created nature. He created everything. So there's nothing that's going to disagree with the Bible once you really understand it. You can have, you can be off on your science and you can be off on your theology and think they don't agree. But when science catches up <laughs> and our understanding catches up, they always agree because God created everything that is. Well, now here's a scientific fact. This has been known for decades and decades. You can write this down. You ought to write it down. The mind, the mind, makes no distinction between a real and a vividly imagined event. I want to say it again. The mind makes no distinction, I mean none, between a real and a vividly imagined event. Dave wouldn't use exactly that terminology, but he would teach that truth when he would talk to us about a person with claustrophobia, and they get trapped in an elevator, and there's no danger. I mean, nobody's trying to kill them. They're they're not being suffocated. There's nothing going on. There's really no danger at all, but to them there is. And they can literally have a heart attack and die. It'll cause such a reaction in them because the mind is imagining something so vividly That it makes no distinction at all, and so it puts the heart beating faster and the blood pressure goes up, and you can actually die. Uh, Another one, this is really why pornography works. This is why it functions. Uh, You know, male or female, now being male, I'm going to use a male example and keep it clean. It's all right, you don't need to hide the kids on this one. (laughs) (laughs) So, but this is really why it works, because the mind makes no distinction. And I want to be a male. and I'm, Okay, and I'm watching. See, now here's the truth. Here's, here's facts. That girl does not know you. <laughs> She's not attracted to you. She doesn't know you at all, sir. Actually, she thinks you're an idiot for watching this. <laughs> she does not want you. Those are all the facts, okay? But see, the mind vividly imagines something else. 
And it doesn't matter that all of the, all of those things I just said are true. She doesn't know you. She thinks you're an idiot. She, she's not attracted. She, you know, not, all of that's true. But to the mind, it is vividly imagining something. And that's endorphins, chemicals start being released in the brain. But see, the mind is imagining something that's not even real. But it doesn't matter that it's not real. And it's create endorphins begin to relieve. Dopamine begins to be released in the brain, these chemicals, which are very pleasurable. And you can just stop there. Again, I'm going to keep it PG, but you can take it on to the point where you can have a physical response. And even more chemicals are released. But it's all based on this truth. The mind, I'm going to read it again. The mind makes no distinction between a real and a vividly imagined event. I'm going to go one more, and that's horror movies. All my daughters love to go with Daddy to see a horror movie. Because Daddy's into it. (laughs) Pop When that killer jumps out from behind that tree with the knife, popcorn goes flying everywhere. (laughs) This is real, I tell you. (laughs) He's right here. We're all going to die. My mind gets into those kind of things, and it's vividly imagined to me. And I mean, my heart's beating fast. And, oh, my God. You know, so. Well, that's another example. I know I'm sitting in an air-conditioned theater. My daughters are sitting right there. There is That's not real up there. That guy is not coming after me with a knife. But if I vividly imagine it, the popcorn, she goes flying. <laughs> All right. Now, see, I, I learned this truth years before I became saved. And my Bible, if you want to know the truth of it, before I got saved was a book called Think and Grow Rich. And it is, the whole book is founded on that one truth. Now, the thing of it is, it works whether you're saved or not. This is how God made the mind. And if you use it for your own kingdom, if you use it for your own purposes, it'll work. And I know it'll work because I made it work for years. And... But I wanted it for bigger houses, better cars, more prestige, salesman of the month, <laughs> on and on and on, me, me, me. But I would, I learned how to, that book teaches you how to vividly imagine things that you want. Now you do have to do things. You can't just sit there and never knock on a door and become a successful real estate agent. Or, you understand what I'm saying? You do have to add legs to it. But it sets your course. And it causes you to follow certain paths that will eventually bring that image to come to pass if you learn how to do it and hold on to it. Now, the thing of it is, God originated this. God made our minds the way he made it on purpose. He knew. (laughs) How many knows God knew this? (laughs) Faith is the substance of things hoped for. If you have no hope... There is nothing for faith to give substance to. Now, during the period of time where you see it, but you don't physically have it, that's the period of time we call faith. Once you have it, once Sarah was holding Isaac in her arms and he's a physical baby, they didn't need faith anymore. They've got the baby now, right? But in the meantime, what did God do? He gave them a hope. He gave them something That part of us that makes no distinction between a real and a vividly imagined event, he gave them something. Your seed shall number like the stars of heaven. 
Now, he gave them an image. I, I know they didn't just go out there one night. They went out there night after night. Because, now think of it, again, they had been, they're nine, he's 99, she's 90. They've been married for decades. They've never been able to have children. So if you'll allow me, for all those decades, they have hauled around in their tent from place to place an empty crib. Always wanted a child of their own, but never had one. So the image that's on the inside of them is pretty strong. Anything that goes on for decades is pretty strong. And they had an image on the inside of them. We're never going to have a kid. We're never going to have a child. Especially now, because Abraham, Abram's old. And I'm past the time of the way of women. I mean, anybody would think this is over. But God, never count out the God factor. <laughs> God says, no, no. What I said shall come to pass. And that's when he changed their name. See, because now faith has two parts. It believes in the heart and says with the mouth. God is a faith God. He didn't just think the universe into existence. He didn't just think the, 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 the sun and the moon and the fish and the earth and everything. No, no. And God, he did have an image, all right. He knew what he wanted. But God said, and it was. God said, and it was. All right. Now, we've gotten pretty good at the saying part. And sometimes we get almost like the saying police. Now, not too bad here, but like, you know, I don't know. It looks to me like it's getting worse. We'll go, that's not what God said. <laughs> right? Saying please. Well, you know what I'm saying? Or if you're believing for a healing and, you know, you say something, boy, my back is, you know, saying something like that. Hopefully you've got some saying police around you that love you enough to help you correct that see, and do it in love. Well, what he's calling on us now, we've got pretty good at the saying, but the saying without the seeing will never produce. And he is calling us now to focus on the hope along with the saying. Now, this applies to our calling in the lost confessions. But really what he was talking to me about was the blueprint, all of the promises that he has made to us. And I did a lesson a year or two ago that had to do with the promises. And I listed out however many there were. And that was just in the prophecies that we had up to that point. But it was amazing what's in there. But it's also amazing how easy it is to just forget about that. And I'm just, what are you doing? I'm going back to prayer. Why are you going? It's Wednesday. <laughs> how long are you going to stay? Till 8 o'clock. But he's calling us not to just pray, not to just say, but to see. So what I've done, I've just brought out some excerpts here that I want to read again to put us in remembrance. These are from the God of Hope which is one of the face-to-face -face documents, which is at the website. It's easy to print your own. And I didn't print the whole thing. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But I want you to keep in mind, say it with me, the mind, the mind makes, no distinction makes no distinction between a real, between a real and a vividly imagined event. Vividly imagined. That's vividly. And a vividly imagined event. Now, it's got to be vividly imagined. He even talks about that in here. It's got to, it's got to be something that, it's got to become real on the inside in order for it to ever become manifest on the outside. So here's a few excerpts from that document, The God of Hope. Just in case there's somebody watching this that's not familiar with the face-to-face, -face, it's free. It's at www.garycarpenter.org 
Scroll down to the bottom of the page. Right smack in the middle is a little button you can click. It says Face to Face. You click that. That next page opens up. Look down through the list of them. And on the right-hand side, about halfway down, the God of Hope. Okay. So that's what I'm reading from. Faith in what? Faith in what? Many crisscross the land and teach with great swelling words the mechanics of faith. And even though these prescriptions for faith are accurate, yet when the people try to employ them, many fail. For the truth of the matter is this. They have no real hope on the inside of them. The image is not real in them. Hope is not real in them. They still think not that their lives can change. They have no vision of overcoming. They have no vision of being blessed. They still believe in their heart because of lack of hope that what has been is what shall be. I learned many years ago especially praying for people or ministering to people in a hospital in a very serious situation. I learned a long time ago, you could, they can be saying all the right things and not they have no vision really of ever coming out of there. And I, I learned a long time ago, try and find out what they're, you know, what did you used to enjoy? What did you used to like to do? And with some people, it's golf. With other person, it might be snow skiing or water skiing or something. And I said, are you going to do that again? And you can tell it's like a wake-up call. It's like they hadn't even thought of that. You know, there's, they may be even quoting healing scriptures, but there's no picture on the inside of them. And I would have them practice on purpose. I said, look, you're going to ski again. Let's, let's, I want you to see yourself right now. Where, where do you like to ski? Well, Breckenridge, whatever they would say. See yourself skiing there. Let's see it right now. Close your eyes. You know, I'm trying to get them into... Hope that what has been, which is them laying in that bed, is not what shall be. Because you can you can be saying all the right things. You can train yourself to say it. But if there's no vision, if there's no hope, there is nothing for faith to give substance to. That's what he was saying. Faith in what? Faith in what? Well, God is called the God of hope for a reason. The Bible is full of hope by his stripes. You were healed. Let's go beyond that. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you can be saved. I mean, I remember that's the first one that you got to ha- I don't have to go to hell. What? There's hope? God made a way for me. I don't have to go to hell. What? There's. That's the first one. But you got to have an image, see? That, oh, I'm really go- I'm going to be born again. I'm going to go live with God forever. I mean, we forget the basics sometimes, but that's... Somebody put hope in you or you couldn't have got saved. See? What's the same with healing? But now he's calling us to do this, you know, with revival. See, I'm, and I've been honest. I always say that. I'll be honest with you like I'm not. But I always try and be honest with you. Yes, sir. A big fear of mine, and he knows this. This is not news to him. Because I, Gary Carpenter, personally abused that law. Think and grow rich, and I used it to build my own empire, and I was so guilty about it later, that he knows I have shied away from that principle because it scares me, because it works too good. And I know it works, and I know how to make it work. 
But still, because I abused it so bad, there's been something reluctant in me to really go all in. Is that fair enough? But boy, he has let me know this last couple of weeks in no uncertain terms, those days are over. He says, you know how to do it. You've had experience doing it. You're just doing it for me now. You're doing it for my kingdom now. Doing it for revival now. So everything that you know and everything that you've done, I want you to not only do it, I want you to teach others how to do it. And that's in here. You'll see it here in a minute. Teach them how to have hope. All right. So the last sentence I read was, They still believe in their heart because of lack of hope that what has been is what shall be. Again, I say, without hope, there is nothing for faith to give substance to. Faith in what? Faith in what? Their faith must be in the hope given by the God of hope through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Son, hear my voice. To help the people, they must have hope. They must have a living hope, a lively hope, a hope that cannot be quenched, a hope that cannot be stolen. They must have the image on the inside that is more real than all the circumstances they face daily. Now think about that with Noah. God gave Noah an image. There's a flood coming. It's going to wipe out the whole world. Somehow God got it across to Noah, where that vision sustained him for a hundred years. Building the boat, a little over a hundred years actually. Building that boat, facing all kinds of ridicule, and the part that amazes me, not a drop of rain fell during that whole time. The Bible says the earth was watered by a mist during those times. I mean, Noah, for a hundred years, did not have a shred of physical evidence. His faith in the image, the hope that God gave him, that's all he had for a hundred years. But thank God that he had it. Thank God he held on to it. And the end result... He had what he believed. Exactly came to pass. Okay, But he could have given up at any time. And if so, that would have been the end of the human race. So when he says they must have the image on the inside that is more real than all the circumstances they face daily, I think about Noah. For a hundred circumstances, not a drop of rain. People making fun of you. Boat keeps getting bigger, bigger and bigger. They make a gazing stock, a laughing stock out of you. I'm sure the Daily Gazette, (laughs) whatever they had at the time, made ridicule. And not a convert either. I can't imagine not having one success, not one convert for a hundred years. Not not even a cousin, not a not an uncle, nobody. And hold fast. You talk about the book of Hebrews where it's cast not away your confidence which has great recompense of reward. Well, thank God Noah didn't cast away his. And boy, it had a, it had a recompense. He saved the human race. I'd call that fairly important. You know? All right, now here's some more excerpts. This is a little further, farther, further down. <laughs> I always get those two mixed up. First, this is still from the God of Hope <clears throat> document. First son, first learn from me how to impart hope to the people. Learn from me how to impart hope in such a manner 
that the canvas of their heart abounds in hope. And boy, I can't even read that without thinking of Pastor Dave. Remember all those times he would teach us about how the Word of God is like a master painter. Every verse is like a stroke of the brush. Well, God builds hope in you that same way. He'll, I mean, he'll paint that image on the inside of you and it'll become more real than anything. Just like he did with Noah. Just like he did with Abraham and Sarah. It became more real than all the circumstances. Mm. He said, this is the first order of ministry that releases the power of the Holy Ghost. Did you hear that? Developing godly hope is the first order of ministry that releases the power of the Holy Ghost. You know, it doesn't matter what I see. It doesn't matter if I spend time. Well, he says it releases the power of the Holy Ghost. I think it does matter. Okay, here's another one. He continues speaking. If you can impart a lively hope unto their spirit, then they will instantly receive a measure of joy and peace in believing. I, I found that in the hospitals. When I could get them to actually thinking about going back and skiing again or going back golfing again, you could see it. Something something would come over their face. It's like, oh, maybe I'm not going to die in here. Maybe I really am going to do that again. I mean, it's a first measure of joy and peace in believing. And I've seen it time after time. With lively hope, a living hope comes a measure of peace and joy. They must have that measure of peace to have calmness of spirit that they may begin to hear the leadership of the spirit as I bring instructions from the mind of Christ that will develop faith to appropriate this hope. Let's get more practical than that. How did he do it with Gary? Back in the early days when I was money was staying away in great abundance and he was telling us to do everything free and we had no income at all. And it looked totally, totally like it's not going to work. He kept giving me, I would, the devil gave me plenty of images. <laughs> oh, we had images, all right, living under a bridge, wearing gunny sacks, begging on the streets, whatever, you know. Oh, I had lots of images like that from the devil. But see, God kept giving us other images of teaching the gospel and sending his word free around the world and other things that he would put into us. But he would give me instructions along the way. I'm just thinking of one of them for me personally. He gave me personally the instruction, take those three verses in my case, and say them out loud four hours a day. Now, that was for me. Yeah, I don't know that he's ever said that to anybody else, but that's what he said to me. Now, once he gives you an instruction, a personal instruction, it's either you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. Well, I didn't do it for the longest time. I'd try. And it just seemed so ridiculous every time I'd try and do it, and the thoughts would just bombard me. This isn't doing any good. This is, nothing's happening. You've gone off the deep end now. You've come, you've gone crazy. Another religious nut on and on and on, you know, and it, it would talk me out of it and I wouldn't do it. But the situation kept just, I'd love to tell you it was my great faith that caused me to do it, but it wasn't. If just the circumstances got so bad, there was no other choice. <laughs> my, my toes were hanging out over the cliff of bankruptcy. <laughs> we were just, that's it. You know, there was nothing else to do. And so I finally made it. I never forget the first day that I'm actually four hours. God, it seemed like forever. But then you do it again the next day. Once you do it once, then it's easier. You, then you do it the next day. And then you do it the next day. God, it took a long time. Had I known then what I know now, but he, in fact, I, he, somewhere in this God of hope, he talks about that. But if I'd have known then what I know now about applying 
hope better, that time could have been greatly reduced. But I didn't know that then. You only know what you know. Okay, so hallelujah. Now, this is an amazing statement. I would never have come up with this on my own. He says four hours. Because he, Why does he mention four hours? He knows what he told me. He knows what I did. This was years after that, by the way. But he says four hours spent developing godly hope is more productive than four years of mindless confession where there is no hope. Now, let's stop for a moment. Could that possibly be true? Four hours is more productive by employing hope than four years of mindless confession like I did where there is no hope. Because I mainly was just doing it because he told me to do it. I wasn't spending any time on purpose. In fact, to be, be perfectly honest, I was avoiding the hope part because it reminded me of the think and grow rich things and I still felt guilt from those early early years. I was afraid of it. I know it's powerful. And it was part of what ruined my life. Okay, because when you use the well you do anything for your own kingdom, just living for yourself, the end of that's going to be destruction. But now he's telling me he wants to employ that and he wants to do it right this time. He wants me to do it right and I'm going to too. So are you. I'm going to read that sentence again. Four hours spent developing godly hope. Let's stop. How would you do that? Well, I know how I did it on the speaking part. I had to say it. (laughs) So if that's what you have to do on the speaking part, what do you got to do on the seeing part? What are you going to do? (laughs) What are you going to do on the seeing part? You're going to spend four hours seeing it. Now, you can say it while you see it. I don't see any problem there. But it's hard in today's culture with your phone beeping and every 10 seconds seems like and people calling and the latest news alert. And some people are looking like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> they don't have one of those. <laughs> but it's hard in today's world to concentrate on anything for even five minutes, much less four hours. Now, I'm just telling you my plan. You can do what you want. During this Wednesday, I've already made up my mind. There's going to be a four-hour stretch. I know when I'm going to start, and I know when I'm going to stop. And if you try and come talk to me, it's going to be. (laughs) For those that can't see me, I'm sticking my finger up like, no. Come on. Come on now. But I've made up my mind. Based on what he's saying, I'm going to take four hours. And if I can't do it here, I'm going to have to do it somewhere else. Thing, where there's no distraction. But I want to do my best for four hours. I want to take a few of the promises from the blueprint. You know, things like the anointing is going to be so strong. It's going to be hard to stand up. The walls are going to be crowded with people because there's nowhere to sit. There'll be healings going on in one part of the building while deliverance is going on in the other part of the building and the altars will be full with people getting saved. I'm going to spend, I want to get just a few. Don't get too many. <laughs> just going to get a few. And I'm going to spend four hours the best I can. Now, anytime I've ever done this in the past, it takes practice to get better at it. Okay. And you may, I may find my mind drifting after just five minutes. I don't know. 
There's nothing else to do except just, okay, come back to it again. Come back to it again. Don't quit. Come back to it again. But anything with practice will get good at this. And I'm telling you, your mind cannot tell the difference. On the inside, you will be living in revival before we see revival on the outside. But it will be so real to you. You have become a real candidate now for faith. Because what has been for you is not what shall be. I'm preaching good. He's preaching good, actually. Let me read that sentence again. Four hours spent developing godly hope. We just described one way to do that. There may be other ways. Is more productive than four years of mindless confession where there is no hope. I remind you again of the Father's plan for Abraham, which, for Abram. Which came first, hope or faith? First came the image of hope. As he he led Abram out to see the stars. By that method, the father painted hope on the canvas of Abram's heart. You can see that, right? Abram now had a vision. First comes the vision. See, God has done that for us. If you want to know the truth of it, that's exactly what he's done in the blueprint prophecies. And the subsequent He has, you put those all together, what a picture of revival. He has painted for us what's coming. Our job is to let that really get painted on the canvas of our heart where it's more real on the inside of us than what we see on the outside of us. First comes the vision. First comes the hope. Hope must be imparted first, son, a lively hope that is more real than the natural circumstances. Second, the instructions came by the Spirit to Abram that he change his name to Abraham and Sarai's to Sarah. By following these instructions, faith then appropriated what was first obtained by hope. Yes, sir. Now, he may have some personal things for you also to do. See, like for me, I have got to start seeing myself walking straight. Faith is the substance. I've already been. Jesus is not going to take the stripes again. The stripes have already been taken. The work has already been done. The price has already been paid. My job is to appropriate that by faith. Well, I've had a long history. There's an image of Gary walking bent over that's strong in me. I'm going to have to replace that with a different image because, say it with me, what has been is not what shall be. Okay. So he may give you some personal things along the way. Then he says... Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. They're not seen in the natural, but they are most certainly seen in hope. If hope cannot see, faith cannot bring. Boy, what a sentence that is. If hope cannot see, faith cannot bring. The one before it. He says they're not seen in the natural, but they are most certainly seen in hope. Then he says, if hope cannot see, faith cannot bring. Think about the woman with the issue of blood. It says she kept saying to herself, saying to herself, saying to herself. She had a picture, though. If I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And she just said it over and over. She's building hope on the inside of her. And sure enough, when she touched the hem of his garment, it wasn't his faith. He didn't even know who it was. Now, in the natural. 
He had his who touched me. He's not kidding. He emptied himself of his divinity. Who touched me? And she finally fessed up. <laughs> Glory to God. But she had an image on the inside. Okay, next paragraph. Talking to Gary. You have always given much more importance to the changing of the name of Abram than to the vision imparted to him by seeing the stars. And he's right. And I know why. He didn't say it, but I know why. Again, scared. <laughs> because it worked too well before. Well, that's, those days are over. Then he says, remain in this error no longer, says the Spirit of grace. No one understand that the confession alone, without the vision of hope, would never have produced Isaac. Isn't that true? That is so true. On the other hand, the vision alone, without following the instructions of faith, and he means by saying, changing their name and saying so that their, their words agree with what God has said, the vision alone, without following the instructions of faith, would only have caused hope to be deferred indefinitely, to make Abram's heart sick. Both are required, son. Hope, a living hope, must come to the people. The vision must be strong. The image must be alive. And again, I'm seeing, even as I'm reading, I'm hearing and seeing those blueprint prophecies. He has, he, God has been so gracious to us to paint such a picture of what it is He wants painted on the canvas of our heart. He's meticulously and rep repetitively shown us what we're believing for. And it's okay to see that. And it's okay to say that. That's why He gave it to us. The image must be alive. Hope, real hope, must be painted on the canvas of the heart. Then the instructions of grace to release faith, to appropriate that hope, must be obeyed. They must not be as the foolish man who rejects counsel and instruction from the mind of Christ. On the contrary, they must be as wise men who will receive and hearken to the counsel and do foolish things by which God confounds the wisdom of this world. Never again, talking to me and really to you, never again discount nor place below faith the importance of hope. Again, I say to you, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You are never wrong to give the people hope. You are never wrong to cast the lifeline of hope to those who are drowning in the sea of affliction. Well, that's, that's the first message that he taught. I've come to preach good news. Poor, you that's drowning in the sea of the affliction, I've come to preach the good news to you. Blind, you don't have to stay blind. You can see on and on and on. He, uh, Hope, hope, hope. Really, he was declaring the year of Jubilee, and they knew what that meant. All debts are canceled. Every man returns to his original inheritance. We've got it in the calling in the laws. Well, his the original inheritance is the Garden of Eden, people. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> We're going to have a new heaven and a new earth. Just, oh, hallelujah. So he finishes up with this. He says, understand this day and never forget the Spirit's definition of godly hope. And this is it. Godly hope is when the people are moved to the point where they agree. What has been is not. What shall be? Now, see, I'm seeing this right now for somebody's marriage. I don't think it's in this room, but somebody watching this, 
You've almost given up on your marriage. God says don't give up on it. Quit living by what has been. Get some scripture out that promises you the things of God for your marriage. And I want to say this because he said it to me so many times. You want a better wife? Be a better husband. Focus on you and not her. That's for somebody. I've been to that woodshed myself more than once. It's good for you. Godly hope is when the people are moved to the point where they agree. Okay, I, I agree. Finally, I agree with you, Gary. He's trying to get him in the hospital bed. I'm, I'm going to go skiing again. I'm not going to die here. What has been is not what shall be. I'm, not, I'm, I'm going to come off of this bed. Now, sometimes, sometimes you got to have a gift of the Spirit. This is only one method by which God does things. Okay? There's also the gifts of the Spirit. There's supernatural deliverance. There's casting out devils for people that are beyond that. A self-help course was not going to help the madman of Gadara. <laughs> You understand what I'm saying? So, what I mean self-help, I mean these kind of teachings right here. I don't think Jesus is going to teach this to the madman of Gadara. There's times when you need God's supernatural deliverance. Okay? But there's other times when you've grown up to the point, he's trying to get you now to act like a son of God. Male or female. Act like a son of God. I'll close with this. Let me say it this way. There is no such thing as change without change. If you hear this tonight, whether you're here in person or watching, if you hear this tonight and even if you agree with it and you call somebody and tell them, hey, you ought to watch that, and you get excited about it, and yeah, that's really good, I agree with that, that's all true, and you don't change, you don't do something on purpose that's going to change your hoper, Change what you're seeing on the inside. Nothing will change. So I'm, I'll give you a, a little hint of what I plan on, what I plan on doing. You gotta, you gotta do something different than what you've been doing. If you're gonna have something different than what you've been having. It's just that simple. And this applies to everything in your life. And I, you know, I, it doesn't matter what it is. Good marriage. Healing for your body. Now, for us as a group, collectively, not only here, but those watching, primarily, he's talking about revival. And taking the promises, the images that he has painted in the blueprint and the subsequent prophecies, and start seeing those and saying those to the point your mind can't tell the difference if you're already in it. I said that really good right there. He said that really good. See, until then, you're approaching hope. <laughs> Till then, you're painting hope. Sometimes when you wake up, I take a chair nap over here every now and then during prayer times. And uh, a good nap is when you wake up and you don't know where you are. <laughs> Why am I on these chairs? Where am I? Well, real hope is when it's hard to tell what's real. I'm, I'm in revival. Revival's really happening now, right? Because your mind cannot tell the difference.
between a real and a vividly imagined event. He's calling us to do this to the point. Your mind's already crossed the line. See, that happened with me again on the, I remember the day after months, and it was just mindless confession at the time. That's why it took so long. I didn't know these things about hope then. But even that worked. I basically used a ball bat of the scriptures to beat my brain into submission. <laughs> Walking the floor four hours a day and speaking those verses out loud. He said his words like a hammer. Well, I hammered on my brain till it finally got a crack in it that was, that let in a little faith, I guess. But I remember the day that, and nothing on the outside had changed. The bills, we, we kept them on the dining table in those days, and there was a stack of them almost a foot high. I am not exaggerating. Most of them way past due. And we'd been living that way for a long time. Now, nothing on the outside changed. We didn't get a million-dollar check. We didn't get you know, nothing like that. But I remember it's like stepping from one room into another room. Something on the inside changed. And I remember walking in the door that day, walking right over to that stack of bills, and I said, I don't live there anymore. Something had happened. What has been is not what shall be. Now, it didn't miraculously start raining $100 bills from heaven or anything like that. But I will tell you, that was the bottom of our roller coaster ride. That day was the bottom financially of our roller coaster ride. And it started going up and up and up. And we've been doing great ever since. Amen? Amen. It has to become real. So whatever you're going to do to change, work on it with that thought in mind. It's going to become like it's already happened. Again, I go back to horror movies. I go back to pornography. I go back to all of these things that we have experience with. This is the way your mind works. It really does not tell the difference. But you've got to vividly, vividly imagine it. Be living in it before you're in it. I'll quit. Hallelujah.